consummate athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Peter, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling about this episode? Oh, probably about an an eight, I guess. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in case you, you didn't read the title of this episode, we're talking all about RPE today. This is the rate of perceived exertion or how are you feeling? Personal favorite way of measuring things because I hate measuring things. And also RPE does not require you to wear any watch strap have any batteries going right it's all you have you come into the world sort of with it and you leave with it i guess but um yeah it's it's something that i've almost i I don't want to say that like because i'm certainly not the world's expert on it there's people who i would love to have on the podcast who have researched this a lot more and use it a bit a lot but it's something that's always around again our feelings always with us and i think it is important when we think about like what is a race and what happens in a race like at some point it's all you have in a race even if you're road racing and you can see your wattage you know and you're chris Froome or some of these like pro tour guys like at some point you have to have this idea of feeling in the moment and then also you have to have an idea of like how hard was this event or this this training and we'll talk about some of the why and the what's as we go through this and sort of try and differentiate and de cloud maybe this idea of perceived exertion yeah it's it's such a comedically intense topic for the fact that it should be it should be this really simple thing right how are you doing right but there's so much wrapped up in it there's there's physical there's emotional there's mental like I think RPE is so such a psychological it is yeah right yeah which is what I think the cool thing so with it is like how like today if it was really hot or if I was really stressed out with work right like that could change how that workout felt or how hard in the moment that felt right and I think let's let's start with why right so I think some of the whys we would care about this perceived exertion metric we'll call it is that I think you're better able to complete workouts right so I think you know you have a coach or a training plan you know you've done something and the goal of the workout you know, might be an easier endurance, a low intensity endurance ride, right? So if you go out and you're feeling more like this is a five, six, seven, you know, 10 out of 10, like it's very hard, it's becoming moderate, then you're not going to be able to complete that workout with the, A, the, I like what you were supposed to be getting out of it, but also you may not finish the duration, right? So the idea is that like by setting out with this, like how is this feeling, we can better complete that workout. And a lot of the time that does mean decoupling it from heart rate or power, right? Like if it's, you know, boiling hot out, you might be able to, you know, your power might be lower. It might feel harder at a higher heart, like at the same heart rate that normally would feel easy. With heat, altitude. um, And and your coach, David Roche, is very into, you know, feeling and and just enjoying the running. But he actually takes pace off of the, the watch screen, I believe, is a fairly standard. I'm sure there's exceptions, but... The idea being that like he wants you to feel when he says go out and run fast or run slower or run whatever that you're whatever that's feeling to you rather than saying I need to run, you know, five minute miles or five minute K's or whatever yeah. it is. And I mean, for for anyone who thinks that, that like anyone rolling their eyes at just using RPE right now, I can very safely say like my easy pace in the past year has dropped 40 seconds a mile. Right. 
like without me looking at the pace. And so that's what we would be looking at is go out and run. And I want to see, you know, your, your time on feet has been increasing. So the amount of volume you're doing is increasing both in time and distance. But then also you want to keep feeling easy. And this is the Maffetone method. You know, this is idea of just very light, super conversational. I can pass the talk test. Is that aerobic capacity, that endurance capacity coming up, um, but not forcing it, right? And I think the, the, the third thing I had here as far as why is we need to avoid that middle ground. This is probably the most cliched, like biggest complaint coaches have, biggest training error that we make is we train in the middle. And I'll tell you right now, I have so many clients that as men cluster around 200 watts for everything. So how did today feel? Six, yeah. six, six. And, and you'll six. see, so you'll see their perceived exertion, you know, after the workout, they say, we say, how hard did this workout feel? It'd be between a, say a four and a six all the time. And their wattage, 200 watts, if it's intervals, maybe 250 at most, like their threshold is under 250. So like all of their workouts cluster between two, like within 50 watts, right? And then my, say my threshold's in the low 300s, right? Bite me. But I ride under 200 watts. So it always perplexes me that like, irregardless of the threshold, we just ride at 200 watts as, as, and this is very general, like absolute terms. With women, you might see more like 150, all the time 150, all the time 150, and then struggling to get over 200 watts. If we were just looking, again, this varies a ton depending on size and ability, but we want to avoid just always being that. So it might be, again, in this polarized model of training or or even maffetone. We might have women riding more closer in the bottom of that endurance range even, right? Or, or in the endurance range even might be a, a good spot at the start. And then trying to push up over that threshold more often, right? Or even just at it for a lot of people is going to be a struggle. And then in perceived exertion language, that would look more like your one to four range and then more workouts up in the top of the range, right? Yeah. The other, I just, we'll get through the whys here before we get in, because we do need to define a bit more of these numbers. It's like, oh no, I have so many numbers questions. Yes. Um, so this is just pacing, right? Where perceived exertion will help you pace. So if you can finish your workout, your intervals, your endurance ride, then that's going to transfer over to racing, right? And it's important that we experience really hard moments in training so that we're ready for those critical moments in the race. I think it's also important for coaches because the coach might be expecting this workout to be really hard and then you come back and say oh no that was a six out of ten and then the coach is like well i thought this was going to be like a really hard like nine out of ten this is a good discussion to have right or vice versa i thought this was going to be an easy two to three hour endurance ride you come back and tell me it's a seven out of ten right but then also your again your intensity ride was a seven out of ten so like what is going on right because now we're not feeling those critical moments and you're not getting the recovery in line with not getting recovery, we're avoiding overtraining. If we don't have variety, then you have a monotonous training program. You're training in that middle ground and fatigue starts building. Um, and then finally, just figuring out max. I think it's worth saying that like most people do not ever experience that like race intensity, that like critical moment intensity. The breathing is very hard because they're training moderately all the time. The breathing doesn't get uncomfortable. They get scared by how hard breathing is during a race, right? So that's why perceived exertion is important. So you want to talk about numbers and let's differentiate that a bit then. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I will say is uh, my personal favorite phrase about RP is beware the Borg. Um, oh. The Borg scale, uh, for, for those who don't know, is up to 20, I believe. Which so it's like four to 20. It's I think it's six to six 20. Six to 20. Yeah. 
Um, and it's more based on like if you multiply the number by 10, it's like roughly what your heart rate is. Which I think is how everyone got confused to start off exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we use that. No, no, but there are a lot of coaches who do. Yeah. Like, uh, the Roadrunners Club of America really? uses the Borg scale. It's still around. I try and not. I try and keep it simple, but yeah. So if you see like a, if you see a number where it's like, 12 and it's supposed to be like low endurance just be aware that you're you're on the borg scale not the normal like one to ten scale so right. just just putting that out there before we dive too far into one to ten fair fair and i think within that then there's also perceived exertion during the workout and this is i think where it gets con- the most confused is that we have how hard is this right now so if we are doing like intervals you're in the middle of the interval maybe you're on a trainer and i'm talking to you you know taking lactates or something this would be where normally people have been faced with it if someone asks you like how hard are you working right now on a scale of 10 right and you may be all like oh like a seven because that's what everyone would say is a seven um and so that's that's sort of in the workout perceived exertion and this is what we're checking on all the time during intervals you know is are we at max right now on the first interval because maybe that's not a good thing right um and then after the workout and this is where i'm usually more interested is the like actual workout or the session rpe we've heard steven seiler on the podcast talking about session rpe so i'll link to that a a bit as well and he did a a great study which we've talked about and has been fairly popular with the four by four four by eight intervals and looking at how hard these different sessions were compared to each other right because they were all at maximal session rpe like completing but the hardest you can go but they were very different depending on the duration so the session rpe again is at one out of ten and we want to be careful that it's not always in the middle of that range so some workouts should be towards the top with 10 being you know the most hard workout so I, i always think about like finishing like a hard, hard race. And that could be a long race. It could also be like some sort of like eliminator short track race. Like you could be, when you see the athlete laying on the ground, like unable to move, maybe you vomited, (laughs) right? Like 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So like these are the workouts that are tens and we don't need to go there very often. Like I would say you want to save that, like pulling the, the car off the baby type effort for that, like world championship national championship race mainly because your spouse is start is going to get real ticked if you just keep vomiting in the kitchen when you <laughs> well your and it brings up that like this is like the stereotypical crossfit thing where it's just like every day we're testing quote unquote and every day you know we're strava racing so if we're trying to max do our maximal tt every day there's a there's a flaw in that logic right you just cannot this is the no pain no gain right again that steven seiler was on talking about um, it's a myth, right? You just can't work maximally every day. That means you're working moderately every day, right? And, and hopefully that makes some intuitive sense. So again, we have session RPE, scale of one to 10. I always say one to four is sort of that endurance range, you know, easier, uh, moderate was sort of that four to six. And then once you get into more of your intervals and stuff, then we're working in that sort of six to nine range, maybe most days. And, and as we talked about, like if it was a really hot day, maybe you're stressed at work, Maybe it was really like bumpy and like really hard mountain biking or trail running. Again, you know, maybe even the group dynamics could change how hard that workout felt, right? We were talking yesterday about following in a group. If you feel like you're dangling off the back of a group versus leading the group, it could be the same effort, but that it changes the perception of that effort, right? Yeah. Yeah. Both in the moment and afterwards. So you could say 
during the run, I could run back and say, hey, Molly, what is this out of 10? Like, what does this feel like? And you could be like, I'm maxed out. But then if we put you in front and ran the same pace, you might be like, oh, no, this is more like a nine now because I'm in the lead. Right. Which sounds very egotistical, but everyone has this. Yeah. No, I was just listening to another podcast and I'm blanking on what it was with a sports psychologist talking about if you have good thoughts, like if you have like positive thoughts, whatever you're doing feels a lot easier than if you have like mm-hmm. negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. So that's where like the, that's why we have sports psychs coming on here to talk about like the negative self-talk and how to get out of that. Like I suck. This feels so hard. Right. Like, right. And that's what I was thoughts. saying to you. Yes, certainly that positive self-talk is a big one for everyone. Right. And you'll see elites. Like I can recall like being my best nationals being fifth, you know, coming into fifth and thinking like, I am so far behind and like how it wasn't like I, you know, everyone wants to do better and stuff, but, but then as you catch people, you start feeling better and feeling better and feeling better. And and I think that race, I ended up going from like ninth to fifth in like a lap or something. Right. And I went from feeling like I had blown up, which mountain bike racing, you're always like, you're always basically feel like you, you'll never finish. Right. And I feel like I'm not going to finish a lot of times. And I've, I've reframed that, that like a good race for me often means I'd feel like I'm going to have to drop out after the first lap. Because that usually means that I've gone so hard that I'm in a decent position and all that mountain biking is, is like a hard start with a good position going into the rest of the race and then whoever can hold on. Right. So, so sometimes it's reframing and gaining the experience, right? Like we did this trail run yesterday. And again, just those are experiences that if we're, we're set up and paying attention, we can really learn from that. Like I felt like this, but I was fine. Everyone was working hard. You know, I survived the run, even though it felt like a six at, at points during the run the end of the run i it was a, a three four good news some of those hills are on this week's peak to trail series so oh, the okay the, the local time our, trial the local time trial we'll have we to go. With our psyched <laughs> okay sweet so that's it so hopefully that makes sense so we have the what is rpe let's keep it simple we have a session rpe your your wife your spouse asks you after the run the ride how hard was that workout on a scale of one to ten and you're like well you know it wasn't the hardest workout i've ever done a ten I wasn't just like out spinning with the kids a one. Where was it on this range, right? It's it's very open to interpretation, just avoiding every day being five, right? Try and think and reflect on that and, and, and have a purpose, right? If I see today you have intervals, Peter, I better be up in the six, seven, eights, right? And if it's like, hey, Peter, today you have endurance, set that intention, right, for the session. And this, this helps avoid the like, oh, I'll just smash out the Strava segment on my two to four ride. Okay. Yeah. Oh, side note about the numbers. Um, if you do work with a coach and you're kind of confused by the numbers they're they're putting in as far as RP or like what they're asking for, you can ask them to define it because some coaches will have like slightly different, I'll say like scales of how they mm-hmm. would say like what a what a nine or an eight or whatever is. Um, so it's it's always worth like getting that clarification if you're finding that you're you're trending like one way or the other where things feel too like it feels too easy or it feels too hard. Um, it's always, it's always worth getting some clarification. I mean, yeah. And pushing, right. Like I, I would say I've been guilty of thinking because of the Borg, right. That like seven out of 10, 70%, right. This is an endurance ride. Darn Borg. I rode at 70% of my max heart rate, seven out of 10 is endurance. But the question then is like, well, what, how do we go faster? If endurance is seven out of 10. Now we're into like, that ride is like a 7.2. Right. Uh, 7. Right. 5. So use the range, right? It's just like using your zones. You want to use the range. 
Um, okay. I think people people feel awkward going like saying a workout was a three. Like it feels like they failed a workout, right? Not at all. And again, because because of the Borg or whatever, like or just because of our our feelings with numbers, right? Like thirty percent is not a passing grade. Thirty percent is a failing grade. But it's three out of ten is not thirty percent. Yeah, yeah. And this idea that like not every workout has to be debilitating, right? Like I think again with the polarized model and all the research around that we've we've learned that like endurance often like I, I always say it, it the unremarkable. A lot of my workouts are unremarkable, right? Like they're a lot of time at like 65% of max just spinning along and then twice a week I try and go pretty hard, right? Yeah. Now, what's your what's your take on I kind of mentioned it in the beginning the decoupling like covering your pace, covering your heart rate, covering your power. Do you ever have, like, do you ever suggest that people cover up their power, or cover up their heart rate and just focus on RP or is it more of a combination? Thing? I, I think so. I think I assume that people just don't pay attention to stuff on days. It doesn't matter, but I, I think I could probably be more active with some people on that. If I was critical of myself, I think you just got to decide what the goal for the day is. Right. And sometimes people get, Oh, I need to control everything in a workout, but it's, you know, on your endurance days, like you're just out there and, and the perceived exertion should really drive most of it. And if you're moving, I would expect that you're, you're in those ranges, right? But you don't really need to pay a lot of attention to power or heart rate. And then similarly on an intensity day, often like you may have a goal for wattage or, or a range for heart rate. But a lot of it should be just getting yourself up a hill quickly, right? Or, or staying in your arrow position if you're a time trialist. So I don't know if that answers your question. Do we cover it up? I think sometimes like if you're doing like a very exploratory ride, it's good to just use the map screen or even just interval sometimes, right? Like I had one client this past week, she's working and the hill she's using, I was like, I think we can get the cadence up and, and she's like maxed out on gears because it's pretty hard. So I was like, well, why don't we just aim to like keep the cadence over 70 as long as you can? So I was like, just put the lap time and the cadence on the screen, go as hard as you can until you can't hold the cadence and then go back down to the bottom of the hill, recover and try again. And then we'll, we're accumulating a, a, some time basically. So it's sort of switching around the focus, right? So I think I don't necessarily tape over things. Some people, if they're like really, usually it's like a point of motivation tanks, but I think the better strategy, the preventive strategy is to mix up what you're paying attention to. So maybe endurance ride, like is a lot of map screen, right? That's how I do it is a lot of times I'm just looking at my map and trying to find roads I want to go down and, you know, oh, that road looks interesting, right? And, and you know, if you can keep on top of the power and stuff, then it, it sort of helps. You can still get that endurance ride in, right? Yeah, for sure. Especially on a ride where you, you don't really know exactly how long it's going to take, but you know what the distance is and you have the map up. Just looking at the map, so much easier than if you're watching like each tenth of a kilometer tick away. Yeah, and I think that's why I like lap time too. Sometimes you can like lap so that you're not waiting for three hours or something to appear. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and maybe you like lap certain things on the ride, or you know, you're you're focused on like every twenty minutes you do something. Sometimes chunking the duration like that can help with that. But yeah, yeah, sometimes you're riding. Sometimes you just have to go ahead and ride. So uh, where do we want to go from there? Your call. Um, so yeah, I think let's go through some of the things that can affect it. So we've we've mentioned the the during the workout, we're doing an endurance ride and you're sort of always checking like, how am I doing with my endurance, right? And this is very relevant for anyone doing endurance racing. You know, how am I doing? Am I fueling appropriately? Am I pacing appropriately? 
for the ride, right? And, and so this is some of the stuff Alex Hutchinson's book Endure talks about is that perceived exertion during the ride. We're always making adjustments and we're always feeling that, right? And this is where some of that only holding on to wattage or using your, your online smart trainer where it sets the wattage perfectly sort of like overlooks this, right? People will think it's easier, you know, they don't have to think. But the problem is some of this like adjustment of effort as we go is important to regulate your pacing. Your body sort of needs these micro adjustments. So I think that's where using more of the manual mode on your trainer or, or going out and doing more work by feeling, perhaps observing the wattage, but then also letting yourself move is, is important, right? And this is where that Alex Hutchison and some of the studies he references is, you know, trying to get comfortable going harder and feeling uncomfortable in intervals or in, by endurance, right? By strictly by going right. hard for an extended period of time. That's where our gains are actually made is in the brain trying to, you know, just deal with that. We're going to survive this discomfort, right? We're going to endure this discomfort. So that's where some of this feeling stuff is important and why both doing your endurance at a low enough intensity, but then the intervals at a targeted intensity help you feel that what I call the critical moments. Um, I think, so we've already talked about the things that affect the perceived exertion, but worth reviewing maybe so fueling like any of the, you know, if you just don't eat, it's going to start feeling really hard. Yeah. Like the, the bonk is sort of the obvious one, but I think like there's a bit more of like an insidious, like pre bonk state that lasts for a while. Like, you know what a bonk is, right? Like a bonk is just like, you can't, you just can't. Well, or even just wake up and go for, you know, your fasted run, your fasted endurance, right? We know that that will feel harder. Yeah. Some of that we can mitigate maybe with a bit of coffee, right? But we know that those are going to feel harder. And so we can accept that and have positive self-talk. Or we could just like yell at ourselves that we're not doing well, despite the fact that it's fueling, right? So this is where some of this, the choices we make can change how hard that feels, right? And, and again, the performance that results from it. Um, I think life, again, the Alex Hutchinson Endure book talks a bit about some of the studies that have done like end of work day, essentially, but they fatigue people mentally and then they make you do intervals and the performance is, is less. The, the perceived exertion is higher. Um, so again, this is something that's somewhat you can't control life, but sometimes you can put the intervals and the workouts in the morning to change that. You can do your workouts on Saturday when you're a little fresher. Um, you know, earlier just, in the just week, being aware of it, right? Like if I, if I'm fighting with you, my workout's going to feel a lot crappier. Yeah. So choosing your days, planning your days, I think is a good use of perceived exertion, but also the point he makes is that sometimes it actually is okay to do some workouts with some mental fatigue. Cause that's, true. sometimes I just start fights <laughs> with you before I go out the door, but because at the end of a long hundred mile bike race, I will be fighting with you. You might actually be simulating some of the feeling that you're going to be having, right? Like I have very low, like I'd love for this to not be going on right now, but I need to keep going. So what you're actually training at the end of the workday, at the end of the long workout, right, when we all want to slow down or stop early, is this, this is it. This is the endure, right? This is what Alex Hutchinson was talking about. Um, okay, and then pacing and racing, right? I think what we're also getting used to is just figuring out what can we sustain for different durations for different, you know, workloads. We're, we're practicing, right? So if you have a 4 by 4 workout or a 4 by 8 workout or a 4 by 15 workout, what does that feel like? What is the pace you can sustain, right? And, and you're going to screw it up. And that's the point is to like try a little too hard early and have to fade, you know, start way too easy, which I love more. If more people would just start too easy and finish the workout, 
and then just know, oh yeah, I really ramped it up at the end. So next time I think I could push mentally a little harder, right? In the middle of a workout, endurance or intervals, a lot of times you'll see what we, uh, what Steve used to call, Steve Neal used to call it the valley of death. Um, and it was just like people would just in the middle of a, a CP20, right? You do your best 20 minute effort, the middle of a race, laps three to five out of, you know, six people just are like, oh, oh yeah. I'll, I'll never make it to the finish. The finish line's not in sight. But then it's like, oh, last lap, the bell's ringing. Suddenly we can all accelerate, right? So it's it's sometimes in our, our practice, in our intervals, we're thinking about that in the middle, our brain's going to say, you're way too far from the finish line, back off. And it's learning to like, how much can I push that sensation, right? Can I be a little bolder and really attack in those middle ones? And then, oh, when the finish line's in sight, I actually like, those are nice, beautiful level intervals. They just all felt different. Mm-hmm. right which is the interesting thing you might do four intervals and the first one might be like a five out of ten six out of ten middle ones feel like you're just completely collapsing and then the last one you just nail it right and it's fine right and this is all perception of where you are in the workout right okay does that make sense i think that's a lot of the stuff um we were we were yeah, going to that's that... a lot of the stuff and it, we also cover it over on consummateathlete.com in an article on rpe uh the article is actually what prompted this episode we got a surprising amount of feedback of yeah. interest and feedback in the article like just people who yeah just hadn't quite grasped exactly why or what rpe was and why it matters and everything so yeah we wanted to just kind of put this episode together so the article has a couple of the standard like a a chart that would show you the session rpe versus the in in ride sort of rpe um i actually one of our past guests uh dr mark roca he actually when he was going through school was part of a study he was saying this is sort of an interesting tidbit but um, he was saying that during like a, a, a fitness test or like a VO2 test, so it would be like, it gets harder, it gets harder, it gets harder like every minute or something, like pretty fast ramp. Um, they did a study with, I think it was untrained or like college age people as per most studies. And what they, they sort of had this loose, this wasn't what they were looking for, but they, they saw that like a lot of females tended to be very linear. So like this is a one, three, five, seven, you know, and then maximal. And then whereas men, I think in, in his description were more like two, 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 ten. Yeah. Yeah. Which you do see. Right. And I think you see that as we used to see that, too, with um, very fit people. Their thresholds are higher. Right. So their perception is like this is sustainable. This is sustainable. And then it's not sustainable. Right. The second you go over threshold, especially if they're very endurance oriented. Right. Like your Iron Man, that's what you would expect is like they tolerate it. They're good. They're fine. They're fine. And then the second you dip over that threshold, you might see collapse right and i don't think that's wrong it's just that's the nature of of their in the moment rpe right Mm -hmm. yeah it's an interesting one because i mean i think to some extent that like mark's observation was more that i think in that case the women are a bit more in tune with like what they were actually feeling at any given time where the whereas i think with the the men in that study just just a guess about college age men that there was a bit more posturing on the treadmill right yeah, no, you'd want to know a bit more about their their ability and like what the training was like around it. Um, I, I think the, the bigger takeaway wouldn't even be gender. I think it would be that it's different depending on your experience and your fitness and what you're fit for. Like you could be fit in different ways, right? Like mm-hmm. a football player versus 
um, a cyclist, right, could just be completely different, right? A different sport. For sure. How you're testing, what the test is. Like, again, that's pretty, like, if it's one minute VO2 stages, like, you might not even catch what the perceived exertion is, right? Like, versus an eight minute stage, you have a lot of time to settle into that and and settle. So I think the more important thing is just that, like, different people will have different perceptions of, of, you know, where they train. If you train a lot at 70%, you often are like very efficient there. Uh, which also I'm going to gonna say comes back to the episode we did a couple weeks ago on uh, what your coach wants you to know and sort of about that communication and stuff. Um, so like Peter just said, like the scale is going to be a little bit different for everyone. And, you know, there might be a number that you're much more comfortable with. There might be numbers that are really difficult. Um, so I think it's, it's just important to to have those communications with your coach, especially if you are basing a lot of workout stuff on RPE, which is awesome, but it's also subjective. So you need to make sure that you and your coach are on the same page as far as what that means. Right, right. And just that it's okay, right? Like I think, is it easier? Is it hard? Like more days than not, you should be like trying to polarize those, those answers, those numbers on the subjective scale. But it's okay if like, again, yesterday it got stinking hot. So like if yesterday's run got up into the five sixes, like that's fine, right? Like it it was really hot. So the stress from that, like that's important for the coach to know is to be like, hmm, why, why did that like, you know, 20K whatever run that should have been more routine for you? Like, why would that dip up? Let's talk. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds really taxing. Like maybe we do need to take. Wow. Peter made a really ridiculous route, huh? Maybe we need to take a little extra recovery, right? Which is hard for a lot of athletes to come to terms with, but like will mean more fitness, right? Because it doesn't make sense to come into that next day if we were planning intervals. Or even two days later, you might still need recovery so that we can do the intervals well, right? And and that's the heart of this discussion is making sure that your training is customized and appropriate for you given what you did today, mm-hmm. right? And that's it's, it's not just the plan, you know, we have to follow the plan. It's whatever happened for you, right? And it might be a discussion around riding easier, Right. And I think the last point is if you are numbers oriented, what we're trying to avoid is this again, what I always call the like 200 watts for every workout. Right. Like, can we polarize your wattage even and see like, okay, this was you feel like it's too easy. It's a one to four. Let's try that so that we can hit the six and sevens. And again, this might be more workouts in the 150 to 200 range, but then also more touching the 300. Right. Which is for a lot of people is going to be really nice, right? If we're talking in wattage. I like it. Okay. Cool. Well, if anyone wants to check out show notes from this with all the links, consummateathlete.com. You can also find, we'll link to it in the show notes, the article and all of the charts and stuff um, on RPE. And if you have any questions about this and how it pertains to your training, you can feel free to book a coaching consult. And that's all at consummateathlete.com. Cool. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. While you still have your podcast app open, do us a huge favor. Head over to iTunes or whatever app you're listening in and rate and review the podcast. It's super helpful. It you know gets us more guests on the show. It gets me a dog. Um, and it's just you know a good way to give back if we've provided any kind of value to you throughout all of the episodes you've listened to. If you're looking for the show notes, you can find those at www.consummateathlete.com. We have lots of other content over there and any information about coaching or events can also be found at that same website. 
And you can find us on the social medias at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. 